Hi everybody, my name is Michael Domingue and welcome to Strange Tales of Myth and Magic. In this podcast, we're going to explore mythology and magic and fairy tales and wives' tales and maybe some snakes' tales. We'll take a peek at some of the strange legends and stories throughout history and how they affected culture and how they affected me as an artist. So sit back and let me tell you a story. This episode, Krampus and other Christmas meanies. So it's December, and, you know, so perhaps snow has started to fall where you are. And, you know, nothing says Christmas to me, like, you know, the smell of gingerbread, perhaps sipping on eggnog, and a big furry devil at the door with a whip. Well... Um, in some places, that might be true. Um, typically not, but in some places that might be true. But what I'm referring to is Krampus. And, and who is Krampus? Krampus is the Christmas devil. And the Christmas devil is um, basically a dude who hangs out with Santa. So, you know, Santa who gives out gifts. Well, Krampus gives out coal and spankings sometimes. Now, until recently, perhaps um, you you would have probably only be familiar with Krampus if, if you lived in, like, Bavaria, you know, Austria, Croatia, parts of Italy. Those would be the areas where, where Krampus would, would still be around. But it, it's really only the last decade plus that Krampus has made its way to North America. And I think, actually, the first time I'd ever heard of Krampus was probably, you know, 2004-2005. And it was from a book by Monty Beauchamp, who had collected um, all these old Krampus cards and, and created a, you know, basically a picture book. Now, Krampus Karten, um were very popular in, in Austria, which is where they came from. And, you know, right around the late 1800s is where you would actually see it, sort of a Victorian-era postcard. Now, in these postcards, what you see depicted is this big, dark, hairy devil with cloven hooves um, terrorizing children. You know, as being, oh, throwing them in baskets, doing lots of nasty, mean things to them. Now, these Krampuskarten aren't um, really scary. They're actually a, a bit of tongue-in-cheek. It's a bit of playfulness. So the Krampus, as scary as he might look with his big, long, red Gene Simmons tongue, um, basically, it's, it's kind of a little bit, it's a little bit of a, a gag. Now, while the majority of these cards are um, depicting Krampus terrorizing children, um, perhaps not innocent children, but nonetheless terrorizing them, there are some of these cards that are a little more adult-themed, in which, you know, in some cases you actually see a female Krampus um, being sort of a, a seductress, you know, maybe scantily clad, maybe in lingerie. So after I came across Monty Beauchamp's book, I immediately needed to do research. I needed to find out more about this crazy, crazy devil during Christmas time. You know, then I remembered that my dad, when he was a kid, he lived in Germany. My grandfather was a colonel in the army, and they were stationed in Germany right after World War II. And so my dad was a little kid back then. And I, I asked him if he had 
you know, ever experienced anything about Krampus, you know, because Germany and Austria and that sort of thing be where Krampus would be hanging out. And he's like, he goes, you know, I do. And he was like, um, you know, I, there was one time we were at a family's house, like a, a, a Christmas party. And all the kids were lined up um, against the wall, maybe by the fireplace. And um, all of a sudden, this hairy devil came in and started pointing the kids, saying, Du bist schlecht. You know, basically translates to, you are bad. And I said it was terrifying, especially since, you know, my dad was an American. And, you know, he'd never, you know, he'd never seen this where he came from. So now, when you're going to see Krampus is going to be December 5th. I'm in the evening, and then that's called Krampus, not Krampus night. So Krampus is hanging out with Saint Nick. Saint Nick is handing out the goodies, and Krampus is handing out the baddies. So that would be Cole, or he's got a, a bunch of birch twigs, which he's made a switch with, and he might be, be uh, spanking some folks with it. So really, it's sort of a, a good cop, bad cop sort of scenario. You've got the Santa, like, hey, and then Krampus, like, hey. One thing you might notice with a Krampus is you might see them covered in chains. And that basically symbolizes that, you know, um, as nasty and um, creepy as he is, Saint Nick is the guy in charge. Saint Nick is the boss in that relationship. Because that symbolizes um, his dominion over the demon. Now, one of the things that you're going to see in sort of Austria, and especially in some, you know, villages in Austria are what's called Krampuslauf. And this is basically a gathering of of people dressed as Krampuses. And, you know, and, and each little each little group of Krampuses usually has a different flair to them. And they basically do a run. So Krampuslauf is a is a Krampus run. And they they run around terrorizing people. By and large, this is all good fun, but but they do have some events where it's sort of a there's there's uh, some cases sort of a shoving match between Krampuses, and usually if you're if you're in the troop of Krampuses, you you know what you're getting into. The idea is sort of to shove the person until they fall. Um, but different villages will have different traditions and even different costumes. Now in the Oberalga uh, region of Bavaria, you'll see Krampus traditionally dressed in sheepskin outfits. And in some cases, you know, they, they kind of look like Cousin It, except sort of white sheepskin hair dangling down. And in other cases, they, they look kind of like a stuffed teddy bear, big puffy white sheepskin all over them. Sort of a, a stay-puffed marshmallow man with fur. Now, in the Birchesgarden region, um, what you see are these weird straw outfits. So you'll, you'll have the Krampus mask, you know, the tongue and the horns and all that stuff. But you'll have, like, the straw wrapped around the body. So it almost is tied at the waist to sort of form, like, a star that comes out at the bottom and, and at the top. So it's very weird and, and probably, probably difficult to um, wander around in. In the area of Tyrol, it gets a little bit more serious because um, Krampuses are, um, they get a little more violent. In fact, that area has um, put some mandates and some rules for their Krampusnacht events because people have been injured because it's really kind of the shoving match, but to the point of where you, you are dropping somebody to the ground. In some cases, it's unsuspecting spectators. So they have put down some rules and some guidelines um, to help tourists from getting um, from getting pummeled during these events. Um, but even so, they've also put out some notices saying, you know, if you're a tourist, yeah, you might want to 
go somewhere else. Now, it's believed that the roots of this whole Krampus thing go way, way back, you know, so pre-Christian era, and they reach way back. Now, to, to, to figure out exactly, it's hard, because a lot of these cultures sort of weave in and out of each other, and it's, you know, this one and that one, and, and it's, so it's hard to put, you know, a definitive, you know, pinpoint to where it all began. A lot of people th- seem to think that um, Krampus is related to goats. Um, yeah, I mean, not not really related, but in terms of, you know, where the stories come from, because goats were often in pre-Christian times were, were symbols of regeneration. And, and some of that has to do with Thor, the god of thunder, um, who had a couple goats, teeth bearer and teeth grinder, and um, he would often eat them, but then he'd slam his hammer down and they'd regenerate. So goats were symbols of essentially winter because you kind of have to get through winter but then spring comes back everything comes back so you die and you come back in fact in slavic regions in olden times um you would have somebody dress up as a goat kind of a strange outfit with with sort of like almost like a giraffe head with sort of a clanking mouth the sort of a puppet mouth go around demanding gifts basically an offering to the goat to say, hey, make sure you bring spring back. So it's not so far-fetched to see how Krampus might have been, you know, sort of through the years, um, evolved from some of these early legends. Now, another Christmas meanie that seems to be lurking around Austria and and similar regions as the Krampus um, is Frau Perkta. Uh, In in many ways, she is actually, I think, kind of worse than Krampus. I mean, Krampus is kind of nasty, you know, he's got the little switch and all that stuff, but, but in my opinion, that is small potatoes compared to Frau Perkta's nastiness. By most accounts, she is an old woman, an old hag, you know, wearing rags, kind of a Baba Yaga sort of character, a big, big pointy nose, sort of a bird's beak type nose. And um, oftentimes she'll have a one foot that's like a, oh, like a chicken foot or a duck foot, um, swan's foot. Now, in some versions of the Frau Perkta legend, um, she's actually dual in nature. You know, so, I mean, she's the hag, you know, sort of the, the nasty-looking hag um, and dishes out sort of mean things. But she can also be this beautiful, white-haired, snowy-looking, princessy sort of woman who does nice things. Now, while Krampus is coming out around December 5th, Frau Perkta, she's not going to be coming out until much later. She's going to be coming out December 25th through the 6th, so the 12 days of Christmas. So that's considered the Epiphany. The Epiphany is when the three magi, the three wise men, you know, find Christ, you know. And so those are the days that Frau Perkta is going to be roaming around. Now, she's doing the same kind of things as, like, Santa and Krampus. So she, if, you're, if you're doing good things, you'll get, like, in some cases, a silver coin. Um, do bad things, you get something bad. Except her idea of a bad thing is really bad. So one of the things that um, she has been known to do um, to children is eat them. Um, That's pretty bad. And she's also been known to um, slit their bellies and take out their guts and fill them with rocks and straw. So, you know, she's, she's 
pretty pretty severe. Now, a lot of what she's punishing is that she hates she hates lying children. So don't lie to Perkta. Um, but also the other thing is like that you follow the rules of the the twelve days of Christmas. There's some religious rules that you're supposed to be following, and if you don't do it, or if you have a, I mean, it's not just kids. If you don't if if you don't keep a clean house, hmm, you might get a belly slit. Now, Frau Perkta is followed around by a troop as well. So you you might actually see um, Frau Perkta, sort of a you know somebody dressed as um, a haggard haggard old lady, um, being surrounded by devils. Now you might think they were Krampuses, but they are totally different. These these are Perkten, um, you know. So they hang out with Perkta. And so they're perkten, and one is called a perkt. So how do you tell the difference? Well, um, some say that if you see a devil with more than two horns, that is a perkt. If you see a devil with a switch um, that's made of wood, typically birch wood, that would be a krampus. Horsehair whip, that would be a perkt. Um, if they are out on December 5th, that would be a Krampus. If they're out past that, um, typically on the 12 days of Christmas, that would be a Perkt. So I say all these things, but you know, these days, none of that really apply because over the years, these things have sort of evolved and the differences are, you know, they're vague. And so you have a Perkt parade and then you have a Krampus parade, but a lot of times Krampuses might show up and vice versa. So these days, it's a little less strict. So one of the things that popped up in the 1800s was not only you had Frau Perkta in um, a parade, but you would also see the Perkten, so the devils. But then um, suddenly you started seeing Schönperkta. So it would be like the good version of the devils, the beautiful devils. And and these weren't really devils at all. These were actually um, people wearing these really crazy headdresses, huge, almost like imagine like a big giant height that's like three times your your height, you know, sitting on top of your head. Now, I, I've seen some variations of these, and I, I saw some images from, from um, a Pelkton parade not long ago in which imagine like a big semicircle on top of your head, wearing it almost like a mohawk. And then these things were filled with light. So, you know, it sort of glowed like stained glass window would. Um, now, apparently this sort of style was used, you know, back in the 1800s as well. But in that case, it would have been candles, which seems a little, little unsafe these days. Those, those were also the days when they used to put candles on Christmas trees, too. So. Now, I saw this one crazy photo from, from the 1800s of, of one of these Schoenperkten uh, processions. And they, they had this one guy who had like this headdress, and it probably went up, you know, 12 feet beyond him. Um, but it was covered in sort of birds. Like they were these this taxidermied birds, like there were owls and things. And at the very, very top of this thing was a big peacock sitting up on top of there. I, it was It was crazy. 
So needless to say, these headdresses could not be, you know, re- you really couldn't support them with, with your um, head. You'd, you'd break your neck probably. So they would actually have, you know, a rod that would go down. Um, it'd be like a belt that this rod would, would sort of go down into. And, you know, so you'd support it by your, by your back. Um, however, as a side note, um, apparently um, it was not very easy to use the restroom in these. And so... Um, Public urination was was common if you were if you were a Schönperkten, not very pretty. Now, getting back to Frau Perkta, because um, I know we kind of meandered away from her, but but I should mention that not always was she surrounded by a bunch of devils. Um, in earlier versions, it, it wasn't like little devilly devilly guys hanging around her. Um, it was actually. Ghosts. Um, and in some cases, it actually had Frau Perkta um, riding through the sky um, with this bunch of spirits. And often this is associated to what's called the Wild Hunt. And this is sort of an old Norse idea. If you think of like the Valkyrie and Odin riding through the sky, or uh, one of the best one of the best analogies that I came across was, you know, go, you know the song Ghost Riders in the Sky. That's kind of what the Wild Hunt is. It's sort of the sky filled with all these with all these um, specters. And it said that Frau Perkta um, would lead that. Some of the spirits that would hang out with her would actually be unbaptized children, because um, they couldn't go to heaven, so they're sort of stuck when they, they hang out with, with Frau Perkta. Now, there was one story that I came across in which, you know, Frau Perkta is out roaming about on, on Epiphany Eve with her, with her ghosts, and um, one in particular sort of tripping over itself, this poor little kid tripping, little ghosty kid tripping over itself, and somebody sees this this child and says oh you poor little ragamuffin and at that point the child was sort of freed from the bondage and was able to go to heaven or, or wherever because that little informal term ragamuffin acted as a christening and and the child was therefore named and you know it was able to go free so as to why the Perkton evolved from sort of ghostly spirits to devils um it most likely comes from the fact that the church didn't really like the idea of ghosts. It, it might have seemed too old school, too old religion-y, um, you know, previous religions. And so they decided that instead of spirits, they would turn them into the devils. And that way, um, Frau Perta could be, you know, administering the rules of, of the church and the devils would have to follow her bidding. Not that dissimilar from Santa Claus controlling the Krampus. Now, there is a less mean version of Frau Perkta in Italy called La Befana. And, you know, there's no belly slitting or anything like that. But La Befana basically is, you know, an old lady who gives out candy or gives out coal or onions or garlic if you're bad. Now, there's a few variations to her to her origin story. And one, though, that I, that I actually like the best is that um, she's an ordinary woman. And um, she has a child that she loves dearly, but her child passes away and she goes mad. She goes crazy. And upon hearing of the birth of Jesus, she seeks him out. And when she finally finds him, she, she gives him all these gifts. Now, the infant Jesus is like, wow, that's, that's wow, you, you went through all this work and all this effort. 
Let me, in turn, give you a gift. From this point forward, you will be the mother to every child in Italy. Ah, isn't that nice? Um, well, since we're talking about meanies, though, I I think we need to get back to the meanies. And and there is another meanie mama. And and this one actually comes from Iceland. And this is uh, about an ogress, a giant ogress, who lives in the caves deep, deep in the mountains. And um, her name is Grilla. Now, it's, it's said that she probably predates Christianity in the region, so she, she goes way, way back. But um, she wasn't necessarily just a, a winter entity back then. Eventually, she evolved into that, mostly because she became the personification of winter. She was the harshness of winter. She was a cannibal. She used to eat little kitties. Now, there's an old Norse poem that references her as, as a sort of a parasitic beggar and um, who was wandering around asking people, say, hey, have any nutty kids you want to give me? So, yeah, she's, she's, she's pretty bad. In fact, it's said that she ate her first husband just because she was bored. Her second husband, Boli, um, was killed too. But it's, it's kind of uncertain at this point whether she actually ate him. But she does have a third husband now. His name is Lepaludi, and um, he, he's kind of a loaf. He doesn't really leave the cave much. Um, though, you know, if I were him, I'd be a little cautious, um, given her past history with husbands. Now, basically, these days, what, what parents tell children about Grilla is that she has the same sort of power that St. Nick does. She can see who's being naughty and who's being nice. And, you know, so she's she's... She's planning her menu accordingly. So, um, of course, you say, yeah, you better be a good kid. A gorilla is going to get you. Now, she has a cat. And um, the cat is no ordinary cat. This is the Yule cat. And this is a huge, mean, monstrous cat that lurks around the countryside. And it devours people who aren't wearing new clothes before Christmas Eve. Um, You want your nicest clothes. If you're wearing rags, the Yule cat's going to get you. Now, Grilla and her slacky husband, um, Lepaludi, um, have 13 kids. Um, the Yule Lads. These are, these are basically 13 trolls. I mean, the Yule Lads sounds like a gang. The Yule Lads are going to get you. And these guys um, do some nasty tough too. Probably not as bad as Grilla and probably not as bad as the Yule Cat. But they're still, they're still kind of mean. Now, it is said that they do leave gifts. So if you're a good kid, you leave your shoe out and they'll put little presents in there. Now, if you're a bad kid, you get a potato. Um, now, but one of the things that's kind of funny is there's a poem that was written in the 1930s about the Yule Lads. And, and so names were given to them and sort of attributes. And it's actually, it's actually pretty hilarious. With no further ado, here are the Yule Lads. So first on the list is Sheepcoat Claude. Now, this guy, for some reason, has really stiff legs. But anyway, he likes to suckle ewes in the um, farmer's sheds. Gully Gawk is the next one, and he likes to sneak into the, into the barn and steal buckets of cow milk. 
Stubby is short, and he steals food from frying pans. There's spoon liquor, so like if you have a spoon laying around that's unclean, he's going to come by and lick it. In fact, he might lick clean spoons, which would be even grosser. There's pot scraper, and he steals unwashed pots and licks them clean. Bowl liquor, who basically steals food from under the bed. Uh, apparently, they used to store food under the bed, and so he would uh, steal that. Apparently, it was for midnight snacking. That's why you keep food under your bed. Now, then there's Door Slammer, and he likes to stomp around and slam doors, usually, usually late at night while everyone is sleeping. Um, there's Skier Gobbler, and this is a guy who likes to um, steal Icelandic yogurt. Skier is a type of, type of Icelandic yogurt. Sausage Swiper, and this dude hangs up in the rafters, and apparently they would hang sausages to dry out, and he would hang out there and reel in the sausages. There's Window Peeper, and um, he would be kind of a guy hanging out, lurking around, and um, see what's inside and steal it. There's Door Sniffer, and he had a huge nose and um, would sniff doorknobs. Uh, maybe, I, I don't entirely understand it, maybe to, to figure out where the, the baked goods were, because that's what he would like to steal. There's Meat Hook, and he would snatch up any meat left out. And in particular, he really liked the smoked lamb. And then lastly, there was Candle Beggar. And he would steal candles. Apparently candles used to be made of an edible material. And so he would steal the candles and yum, 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 yum. So definitely not as bad as their mother, and, and not as bad as their little kitty cat. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it, it, it's encouragement to be a good kid. You want to be a good kid. And and really, um, isn't that kind of why these stories were in, sort of invented, or it certainly evolved this way? You know, that everybody wants their kids to be good. Now, it is kind of funny to think about using these sort of monstrous and in sometimes, you know, cannibalistic creatures as, as methods of, of uh, keeping your children well-behaved. But um, I, I will tell you kind of a funny story. I remember when I first heard about Krampus, uh, I uh, was telling my nephew, who was, you know, probably, I don't know, seven or eight at the time, about Krampus. And, oh, yeah, sidekick, you better be good. And, and at one point, he, he goes to me, he's like, Uncle Mike? Is this for real? Because you're freaking me out. So I, I kind of spilled the beans that, that Krampus probably wasn't real. Or is he? Okay, everybody, um, have a good holiday. And, and for goodness sake, be well behaved. Or you know what? That's it for this week's episode, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to pop in again. There's going to be new tales of myth and magic popping up in the future. So uh, tell your friends. That's always helpful. And um, if you're interested, stop by my website, www.michaeldeming.com, and you can see some of the artwork that I create that might relate to what we're talking about. And if you want to delve a little further into the topic, I'll have blog posts that relate to each of these podcasts. So until we meet again... I'll be missing you.